Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it's Monday, July 19th here down on the East Coast. Hope everyone is doing well and had a great weekend. What a weekend of NBA basketball. The finals, Game 5, the all-important Game 5 matchup between the Suns and the Bucks on Saturday night. The Bucks emerge victorious in the desert. The Bucks win 123-119 to in just a seesaw of a basketball game. An incredibly fun, exciting, drama-filled game from the opening tip to the final play. It was it was a finals game for the ages. Um, it was so much fun. And just getting right into it, the Suns came out like, like the team that we thought that they would be coming out at home, protecting home court, playing with a sense of urgency that Milwaukee came out and played with in Game 3. The Suns jumped out to a huge lead in the first quarter, uh, 37-21, got the lead to 16 a couple times. The refs, it seemed like, were favoring Phoenix early. They went on this big run after Holiday. The Bucks' best perimeter defender picked up two key fouls, and Phoenix dominated those, those minutes. And it was interesting. The Bucks started the game trying to get Holiday going, so Lopez wins the tip. Somehow he always seems to, to win the opening tip. The Bucks get right into a pick-and-roll action with Holiday and Giannis and get Drew an open shot, which he knocks down. It's so key for them to try to get him going early in so many games when he has a little more energy uh, in, in those legs compared to after he's chased around Devin Booker and Chris Paul for 35 minutes. Trying to get him to see the ball, go in early, can help later in the game, and it definitely did. That's the biggest storyline from this game is after the first quarter, Phoenix absolutely dominated the game by basically making every single shot. The Bucks came roaring back, just absolutely roaring back to take the lead in the second quarter going into halftime. They put up a 43-point quarter and then followed that in the third quarter with a 36-point quarter. The offensive shot-making from Milwaukee during that stretch and really the whole game, while also the shot making for Phoenix as well throughout the entire game, it was just unbelievable to see, made for a really, really fun basketball game. And this was a this was a finals game for the ages because you had teams going on massive runs, the shot making uh bench guys, role players stepping up, stars stepping up and making clutch shot after clutch shot. I mean, we could start with four or five different players where we're going to dive in, but we have to talk about Giannis first. He is the likely MVP of this series if Milwaukee can hold on now that they're up 3-2. He finished the game 40 minutes, 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 of those rebounds were on the offensive glass. He was 14 for 23 from the field. He was only 4 for 11 from the free throw line. Still the Achilles heel of this Bucks team is him at the free throw line. But he was not afraid to get to the line and keep attacking. Except for the last, last play, which I'm going to talk about in, in a second. But another epic performance by Giannis. It is hard to believe still that two-ish weeks ago, maybe three, you know, it's hard to remember, two weeks, three weeks ago, uh, Hawks series, he hurts his knee. 
we all thought potentially he was out for the year, that that was a major knee injury. We wouldn't see Giannis again in calendar year 2021 and maybe not even NBA year calendar 2022. He comes back and he is stepping up massively in this series. He is willing, I don't want to say willing because other guys are are stepping up, but he is leading the charge, leading the way both on offense and on defense. He is just, you know, he's just doing everything. And, and we can talk about the dunk, right? So we're going to skip ahead, end of the game, the Bucks up one point after Giannis had missed a couple free throws. Suns come down, they get the ball to Devin Booker, who was also killing it at this moment. He was having another epic game. He probably took one dribble in too much. Devin Booker turns back. Holiday gets a steal. Holiday rips it from him. But Giannis sprints from the middle of the paint on defense past Devin Booker, past Chris Paul, past Drew Holiday, who had the ball, and past everyone else on the court to get an alley-oop dunk, which he finishes ferociously while Chris Paul was fouling him. Maybe a flagrant, maybe not. It was it was even hard to tell if they had called the foul because it was so loud in the arena, so loud on, on ESPN at, at home. It was an epic, epic play. But just in that moment, knowing that if he's going to sprint down the court like that, he's going to get to get the ball. He's going to get fouled. And knowing that, even knowing that how many free throws he had missed in a row before that, to still go and put yourself in that situation to get fouled is just is just insanely impressive from a guy who that's his biggest weakness. But he is not afraid to go up to the free throw line and miss. He's he's not afraid of failure, which is something really inspirational. One of the reasons why I love watching Giannis play so much. And, you know, we could talk about how he was attacking the rim all game, getting to his counters, defending on the switches. You know, there's a couple blown switches by the Bucks th- throughout the game. But overall, just another great game by Giannis. And in the fourth quarter, Chris Middleton... I don't know how he does it. He seemingly starts every single game, like the one he, like, like game five. He's like one for five, two for seven, you know, these, these three for eight starts where he's getting to all his shots. He gets to his spots and he's so smooth that kind of every shot he takes, you think has a really good chance to go in because he doesn't really take two, even his tough shots. They're shots he takes consistently. So you think, you know, he's practiced them and those are shots that he's very comfortable with. After a slow first quarter, he erupts in the second quarter, couldn't miss, knocking down key shots, and especially in the fourth quarter when things really bogged down for Milwaukee. It was the classic case of, you know, they were flowing so much. They, they got to this point and they had a big enough lead that, it was it was that strategy change of of hey let's let's try to slow it down run some clock and play almost play out the clock and not play out the score and the bucks slowed down a bit and that's what really let phoenix get back into the game in the fourth quarter chris paul started to make some shots booker obviously was a big big player but when it got when it got down to it middleton and one jumper over Jay Crowder. He hits a really, really tough three. 
I mean, Chris Middleton was just how many more clutch basket after clutch basket, tough shot after tough shot can Chris Middleton make seemingly in a row? Because he has made so many in this postseason going back to the Miami series and then against Brooklyn and now against Phoenix. He is stepping up in the biggest, biggest moments. And when you hear him and Giannis talk about each other and what they both bring to the table and how much how much it means to both of them and the journey they have been on together. It just makes this team even more fun to root for. And we can't go much further in this podcast without talking about Drew Holiday and his moment. This was his game. He finally erupted offensively after a 4-for-20 performance in Game 4. He comes back 12-for-20, 3-for-6 from 3, 4 rebounds, 13 assists, 3 steals, and a block while only having two turnovers. Just an awesome, awesome, all-around basketball game from from Drew Holiday. You can't rely and expect him to shoot like this in every single game, especially when he's being tasked defensively with the Devin Booker-Chris Paul assignment. But he he was hitting all the shots that he had missed so far, seemingly in this entire playoffs. It was just an epic epic moment for him this will be go down as the the drew holiday game with with the dunk attached if the bucks win this series he he proved in game five that the trade for him in the offseason was worth it that giving up eric bledsoe george hill all the draft picks not only did it help Giannis. You know, seem you know it, it seemed like they make the trade. That was the final thing to to get Giannis to sign the supermax, which obviously was the most important for Milwaukee. You know, in their team building, but that trade to bring him in when Milwaukee had a chance to go get Chris Paul, Milwaukee had a chance if they wanted to get Russell Westbrook because he was available and and got moved. Milwaukee had chances to get other players. Could have stayed the same, could have tried to improve in another realm with with another player, but they went and got Drew Holiday and gave up a lot for him. And throughout the playoffs, it was the question of, okay, he's not an all-star every single year. Is he just a perfect fit is he a defender can he score enough all these legitimate questions and last night or excuse me saturday night we saw the full drew holiday experience that this is what he can bring to the table what he's brought to the table this whole series with guarding chris paul and devin booker they still have one more game to win but the trade was proved worth it as he is just a massive massive upgrade over their point guards of the last two playoff runs of Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and and Malcolm Brockton. And those three guys combined for 88 of the team's 123 points. There's not much you can do if you're the Phoenix Suns. If Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton all shoot better than 50% from, from the field and combine for 88 points. The other players from Milwaukee I quickly want to mention. Guys just stepping up in the biggest of moments. Obviously, you mentioned Drew Holiday, but Pat Connaughton, four for six from three, getting a good offensive rebound, clearing the defensive glass really well because on so many switches, Phoenix is getting switches. So Connaughton is either battling DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder down low with box outs for defensive rebounds, or he's guarding Devin Booker 
on the perimeter. He is he's doing his job. He is not fouling Booker. He is Booker only had five free throw attempts in in game five. He's not letting him get by. He's forcing Devin Booker to take and make really, really tough mid-range twos. All credit to Devin Booker for making those shots, but Pat Connaughton is doing his defensive assignment, and so is Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis hit two big threes when those two guys combined for six three-pointers off the bench, four offensive rebounds combined. You know, Portis, again, in those switches, sometimes you're like, Bobby, don't jump out so much or don't go for those steals, but he's an active player. He's an energetic player. He plays with massive heart. And just him and Connaughton together are just are just crucial, crucial pieces for this Bucks team. We're, we're a huge reason why they won Game Five on the road. If you can get twenty three points off the bench from those two guys, they're they're a tough team to beat. PJ Tucker, just want to say briefly, he is the ultimate. If you just watch the box score, you don't understand why he's he's in the NBA. You know his Game Five box score: one for two from the field. He made one. That was a three. One rebound, one assist, one steal, one turnover, five fouls. You're like, this guy played 24 minutes and started in a crucial, crucial finals game. But when you watch him play, he is all over the place, playing good defense. Even though he didn't have any offensive rebounds, him attacking the glass, he cleared a big defensive rebound. You know, he is he's all over the place. He's he's the ultimate. Does things that don't appear in the traditional classic box score. And if if him or Jeff T can get going in game six, and, and even if they combine for nine points, it makes such an outsized impact on just the feel of the game that that could be huge and, and something to watch for for every game. So but switching over to Phoenix, the, the thing I want to say, even though that sounded like a Milwaukee love fest for 10 or so minutes, this series is not over. It is not over in the slightest. Phoenix is still... An extremely, extremely good team. Milwaukee still is prone to a bad shooting game from three. They're still prone to uh, inconsistent offense. They are prone to, with Middleton and Holiday taking so many jump shots, uh, just a off-shooting night from, from those two guys. This series is not over. But for all the praise we gave Giannis, in game two and three for having back-to-back 40-point performances. We're going to do the same thing for Devin Booker. Back-to-back 40-point games in the finals. His scoring ability has never been in question. His shot-making ability has, even though he was, I knew he was a good shot-maker coming into this these playoffs and this especially this series, he's almost taken it up another notch with just the way he uses both hands, creating space in the mid-range for jump shots, sizing up guys who are like Connaughton, who's an extraordinary athlete, Middleton, Holiday, and just rising and firing and knocking down shot after shot after shot. Booker gave it everything. 40, you know, 41 and a half minutes. He was he was tremendous. The question I have for him is especially when he got going in the third quarter and and the fourth quarter is is he too ISO heavy? And what I mean by that is, even if he gets the ball and go to and, and goes to work in in the pick and roll, and and get, turns into an ISO, I'm not saying that Devin Booker has to take fewer shots when he has it rolling. What I'm saying is, is it better to just 
have him dribble the ball up or pass to him just one pass on the wing, ball screen, and then ISO? Or is it the way that Milwaukee sometimes can run those double baseline screens for Middleton and you just get a little more ball body movement across the team? Maybe you know, swing the Booker, Kim give it back, could do like an Iverson cut. You know, basically just run across the middle, get a couple screens, get on the other side, and then into a ball screen with a switch. Just things to get him on the move more and just more guy involved and make the Milwaukee defense have to work a little more. I mean, the Suns had eight offensive rebounds in, in this game. And a lot of that is just it's easier to box out if everyone's on their assignment. You don't really have to worry about too much ball movement. And that's not really how the Suns like to play. The Suns like to play and are best at when they are swinging the ball around the court. The ball's ping-ponging around, finding open guys. It was massively impressive what Devin Booker did. But there was, especially late in the game, perhaps just too many possessions in a row where just not enough guys got a touch. Now, I'm all for if Devin Booker's rolling. Take take those shots. You're the best player in, in that moment. Take those shots. But there's just, you know, maybe get the ball into Aiden and do a handoff with him. Don't just have him come out and set a ball screen for you and ignore him, but do a handoff. Just get him a touch on the ball. Have Crowder set a flare screen and get the ball and swing to someone. You know, try to get guys more involved. And I think that's one of the reasons why Chris Ball has struggled in this series and really like the last couple of games too is – Chris Paul's a ball, he's a ball dominant player, and he hasn't had a lot of the ball in in these games. And yes, you could say, oh, he played with James Harden and, and he did fine. Well, James Harden was definitely better than than, than Chris Paul. But I don't know if Devin Booker's better than than Chris Paul yet. I think that they're both awesome, awesome players, and it's a it's a tough to decide who's or say who's better. But even if the ball started with Chris Paul and Booker's working off screens, getting switches, and Okay, if if Jay Crowder or sorry, if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton want to guard him or or, or Pat Connaughton, PJ Tucker, okay, make make them run through a Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton double screen every single time. PJ Tucker prone to fouls. Have PJ Tucker might run right through Jay Crowder. That boom, that's a foul. Those things for switches and difficult switches that aren't just in in the pick and roll that is easily practicable between games. I'll be interested to see if in game six, if they can try to get Booker going again, but if they can do it with a little more ball movement and just in a way that even if he's the one taking the final shots, just a little more uh, team action of of getting guys the ball. Because Aiden had another really game. He had 20 and 10, but... It didn't really feel like he had a huge impact offensively on the game, even though he had 20 points in 45 minutes. The other thing I want to say is Phoenix defensive rebounding is really, really, really crushing them again. The Bucks got 11 offensive rebounds, including at key moments. You know, Giannis, five offensive rebounds, just himself. Bobby Porras with, with three. It was, and you know, it's all about w- when stuff happens, right? So, of course, so after Giannis's big dunk, get the lead to three. He misses the free throw. I didn't like the way that he tipped it back. And Middleton told him, don't tip that, grab it, because Holiday keeps it alive. Giannis goes up instead of just grabbing it. That was the first sign of Giannis sensed, I think, that Middleton was behind him and wanted to get Middleton the ball. But in that moment, you can't tip it back because 
Chris Paul or Devin Booker can go grab that layup. All of a sudden, it's a one-point game again. Now you lose all the momentum. But still, two offensive rebounds basically on one of the biggest you know, free throw box outs. And Brooke Lopez has gotten a couple tips in throughout the series. Conton's been effective in, in offensive rebound situations on, on free throws. Same with Tucker. Those are just moments where Phoenix, Phoenix just has to look inwards and say, is there a is is there a lineup we can play better? Because Milwaukee's using their size really really well. I've never seen them go with the Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, Tucker, Portis lineup before, but they did in Game Five briefly. But they did it because they said, okay, we're just going to offer a rebound and we're going to clear the defensive glass because they're they're too small, and we're just gonna we're gonna dominate the we're gonna dominate the the rebounding battle. And that was really, really impressive with with Chris Paul too. Turnovers, he was better in Game Five. Only one turnover, but still had a couple passes that weren't turnovers, but uh, on him. But still, you know, we're we're kind of sloppy. Don't know if it's his wrist, if he's just tired, played 35 minutes, or which I think it is. Milwaukee's defense is just really, really good. I think we're not giving enough credit to Milwaukee's defensive abilities, and more also on trying to figure out what's wrong with Chris Paul instead of just saying Milwaukee's just really good defensively. They they have good on-ball defenders, size all over the court. They are a really, really good defensive team. So I'm looking forward to game six. We're going to preview that game on tomorrow's podcast. It's going to be an epic battle, chance for a championship. The Larry O'Brien Trophy will be in the building tomorrow night Uh and we will see. We will see what happens. It has the makings, just like pretty much every game of this series, has the makings to be an awesome battle. Two evenly matched teams. And we'll see what adjustments are made. We'll get more into that tomorrow. But I cannot wait. This has been such a great NBA Finals so far. That'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. Also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.